Hey Valpo fans, Paul Oren here, founder and editor of thevictorybell.com and the host of the Victory Bell, the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Just before 2 a.m. Friday morning, November 4th, uh, just hit send and publish on the story from Brownfield about Valparaiso soccer program falling to Murray State in the Missouri Valley Conference semifinals. Very, very tough night at Brownfield. A lot of tears, a lot of emotions, a lot of good thoughts from John Maravich, which you can see at thevictorybell.com, as well as some words from Valparaiso sophomore Addie Joyner. Look, it doesn't get easy, and and I say this really from an insane place of privilege as a sports writer. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I've stood on the field and waited for a, a player or a coach who just suffered a season-ending or career-ending loss, knowing, of course, that in that moment it's a terrible thing to endure, but also knowing that there will always be a next year, there will always be a uh, an- another game. Uh, that's the that's the ease of the life of the reporter, and knowing that those athletes, the student athletes, the marvelous representation. Of Valparaiso University that that took the field for 19 matches this season, knowing that seven of them uh, won't get a chance to play again, uh, it, it just it's it's a raw feeling, you know. And 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 obviously, I said that as a sports writer, I can't even imagine what it's like uh, for those players, for those student athletes. Um, got a chance to know them a lot throughout the course of the season. Uh, just some excellent, excellent athletes on this team. Uh, Kylie Dugan stands out as one featured Kylie early in the season. Her background from Pittsburgh, really, really enjoyed that. Natalie Graf, uh, just excellent uh, represent, representative of Valpo. The, the story about kind of mental health and the championing that she's done for that. Um, Allie Anderson, Al- Abby Hillman, two others who transferred in and really kind of fit into Valpo right away. Uh, Georgia Henkel, great conversation with her uh, about John Maravich's speeches that uh, that he gave. I know I'm, I'm missing a couple of the seniors that are out there. Nicole Norfolk, I just had a chance to have her on the podcast, which was really a, a fun experience for that. Uh, Drea Garcia talked to her shortly after the uh, the Indiana State match, the, the regular season finale when Valpo clinched the championship uh, that one was uh, just what a great match she had. And then Elizabeth Park, I never actually had the chance to, to interact with or speak to, but um, he comes very highly regarded. I think those are the seven seniors. And uh, let me tell you, they, they leave a, a legacy at this program, at this school, for what they were able to accomplish. Maybe not, you know, people are going to point to it and say, well, what did they accomplish? They didn't get to the NCAA tournament. Yes, they won a conference championship, but they lost in the semifinals again, just as they did last year. And they lost in the conference title match a couple of years ago as well. Um, but being out at Brown Field, and again, you go to thevictorybell.com, you can read the story and see the words from John Maravich, the power of the crowd that was there. And and really something's going on here. The volleyball team kind of uh, did poured some gasoline on this uh last year with their NIVC run and, and certainly the Valpo soccer program and what they've done this year, uh, really kind of inspiring the pep rally on Wednesday, the match on Thursday. And, and again, it didn't go their way, but 
it was something special. Uh, we've got a great episode here at the Victory Bell, the podcast. Uh, Todd Ica is going to join here. I'm going to swing it over to a recording that we actually did at 930 in the morning on Thursday morning, um, roughly uh, 17 hours ago. But uh, in that, you know, we're talking about the upcoming soccer match and, and the excitement of that and, and, and the big weekend that's coming up. And, uh, and I just wanted to get this in front of the podcast so you just know um, what happened in that match, how fulfilling it was for me to get the opportunity to follow this team. I wasn't at every single match. I was at most of the home matches. Uh, but what a just brilliant collection of student-athletes. Really, really, truly enjoyed getting to know each and every one of them. And, uh, you know, I, people can count down pitchers and catchers all they want to, but I'm, I guess I'm counting down goalies and forwards because I can't wait to see this team back on the pitch next year. Great group. Can't wait to see where they go from here. I think there's a, another big step that this program can take, and, and a lot of that is, is the groundwork that was put forth by the seniors and the upperclassmen of this team. So, okay, I want to shift now. You know, as one season ends, another one begins, and that is generally how this, this crazy cycle of sports world is. As one ends, another opens, and this Monday – Men's and women's basketball going to be starting up at Valpo. This podcast is an annual party that Todd and I do every year. It's the Men's Basketball Over Under podcast. Thrilled to have Todd here, and let's jump in right to it. Thanks for listening. Thanks support. Thanks for supporting. Go to thevictorybell.com. Please subscribe. Please leave comments on stories. Please favorite stories. Please read the stories in your email. All of that helps. Really thrilled to, to have you along for the ride. And please enjoy this podcast. It's uh, it's a blast, and, and I think you'll love it. Hello, and welcome to the Victory Bell, the podcast. Paul Oren here, founder and editor of thevictorybell.com. And I don't even need to introduce this one. We're going right into it. We've got the voice of Alparaiso Athletics, Todd Eichau here. Todd, how are you? All right. Uh, hey, this is a great weekend. Great time to be a beacon. Fired up. Soccer, football, basketball, all intermingling. We've got volleyball this weekend as well. Uh, a lot going on. How do you balance all of it? You're going to call a soccer match. We're, uh, full disclosure, it's 9.30 Thursday morning. This will come out after the soccer match, before football. You've got soccer. You've got football. You've got a basketball season opener. How do you keep your head straight? Okay, I've got bad news. They're not letting me call the soccer match. Right off the bat, I'm giving you bad news on that, Paul, unfortunately. I'm not saying they're not letting me, but yeah. since, it's, since it's a conference final four, they will have uh, independent broadcasters coming in to do the match, uh, as you said, Thursday. We're, we're hearing this later on, uh, which is sad, um, but I completely understand. Uh, it's been an incredible season broadcasting soccer. I've had a blast the last few years doing soccer uh, and what great success they've had. And it's, uh, it culminates in a great weekend of soccer uh, at the university. You know, uh, in, in your younger years of doing this, and you'd been doing it for a while, you had to deal with, with idiots like me as your color commentator. Now you get the expertise of Danny Yeftich, you get Tom Byrne, you get Jamie Stangle. What's that like to have some Valpo greats uh, by your side? Well, you've, you've, got to, you've got to tap into their knowledge. Sure, these are people who uh, played the game at, at, at a high level. And uh, it, it's been neat. It's been a lot of fun. I enjoy really everybody I've worked with. Um, it, I think it was this was really uh, Mark LaBarbera's 
uh, kind of baby. He said over the years, you know, let's try to get more um, former athletes on the broadcast. Um, and there was an opportunity uh, a few years ago when uh, Dave Huseman left. Now, Dave did play football, not at the collegiate level. He knew the game. Um, but Mark had always said, you know, it'd be good to get more athletes involved. So when Dave left, uh, that opened the door, number one, for me to do soccer. Uh, number two, to bring in new color people for, for football and basketball. Uh, and Mark said, let's go over some ideas. And we kind of tossed it around. Uh, and we ended up with, with Tom. Jeff Vilk's actually doing the game. Another former Valpo player who's a, the head coach at, at Buffalo Grove High School. Uh, he's doing the game on Saturday. Jamie's going to do all the basketball games with me. Um, it's been great, great to work with, a lot of fun. I like to tap into their, uh, back when you played, you know, and talk about, you know, you played with so-and-so. You might have remembered this game, that sort of thing, which has been fun as well. Well, speaking of tapping into knowledge, let's get to it. This is an annual podcast that we we did at Union Street Hoops. And uh, welcome to the Victory Bell, the podcast. It's your first time on this particular uh, program. We do every year the over-under for the men's basketball season. If you're a first-time listener to this, here are the rules. Um, I, I set the numbers. Uh, I, I, I control the market, and I don't tell you what they're going to be ahead of time, and then I just drop them on you. I feel like before we get into this year, maybe a little bit of review of last year. I don't have what you predicted last year, but just so the audience at home knows my skill set in picking these numbers, some good, some bad, Last year, of all the players on the team, we had uh, of guys who played regularly and were taking out Keandre Young, Emil, and Trevor Anderson because Trevor's was a over-under of 32 and a half three-pointers, and he had 20 when he went hurt. He would have been over on that. Okay. Um, of the over-unders, I had five overs, four unders, and one exact. Okay. I had Kithier at 5.2 rebounds. He had 6.6. That was an over. Kevion Taylor, 9.5 points per game. He had 12.8. Here's the skill. I had Ben Cricky, 53.5% field goal percentage. He finished at 53.9. That was a good okay. number. I set that okay. one. Uh, Joe Hedstrom, was he ever going to hit a three-pointer? He had three of them. That was an over. Uh, Kobe King, we did 19.5 minutes in his first Division One game. We wanted to see how quickly he would get into the rotation. He played 29 in his first Division One game. A couple of the unders were not great. Uh, Connor Barrett, 40.5% three-point shooting. He was at 23.3. Uh, Darius was, uh, I had him at 1.8 assists per game. He finished at 1.72, so okay. I don't actually think that's that bad. Uh, Aaron Gordon, five and a half games of 10-plus points. He went on that stretch his junior year where he had a bunch of double-digit scoring games. Uh, he had one game of 10-plus okay. points. That wasn't a good one. Uh, Sheldon Edwards, we said six and a half dunks. He had five. Sheldon told me he'd get six in his sleep. He did yeah. not. Um, yeah. And then Keandre he Young. He should wake up then. Yeah, he should. Yeah. Keandre Young, uh, it's at 6.8 points. He had 4.6. Emil, three and a half blocks. He didn't have any. He was hurt all year. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cam Palese, um, 1.1 assist to turnover ratio. He didn't play. That doesn't count. Yeah. And then Trey Woodyard, I said he would be a 33.3% three-point shooter and he finished the year 33.3% three-point shooter. Oh, wow. I'm pretty okay. damn yeah, good pretty, at what I those do. Those are good. Uh, I think I did very well. From you going over those? Yeah, you we did. Don't, we don't have, you don't have mine. I, I did not go through and, and, and I, listen I think to all them. the overs I got right, and uh, I think I got most of the unders right. I think I had Darius at over 1.8 assists. That one for sure wrong, uh, but very close. And I'm not 
positive on a few of the others. But Well, wh- where I can tell you that neither one of us shined was at some of the overall stuff. We had wins, 16 and a half, and, and you said emphatically, over. Way, way over. You said, just win, win. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone I said, when where's Apple going to finish? Conference win streak, all this stuff. You just win, 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 and uh, it didn't go. Okay. Didn't go well. Uh, the tiebreaker we had last year was which walk-on would score the most points. Uh, Preston at sixty-two, and and obviously he's a scholarship player now. And then the the bonus question was how long will the longest beer snake be? And then I found out later on they weren't even serving beer. We're not allowed to have beer in the student section, and uh, so it was a disaster. Okay, so um, they they're, they're selling beer. Students can get a beer. As long as they're old enough, they can't take it into the student section. Yeah, there's some weird stuff about okay. cops having. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Okay, we have got, um, as it stands right now, we have 13 scholarship players on this team. Okay. Sorry, Luke. Sorry, Joe. You don't get. Uh, you don't get stuff here. You don't get any uh, any over under. You don't get stuff. You do get. You do get a uniform. You get, you a, do uniform. get a tote bag. Yeah. But that's it. And Luke Morrill does have the best hair on the team. So, um, all right, we're gonna go in numeric order. And, uh, and I really like these here. So okay. uh, we're going to start with Cam Pelesi right now. I saw Cam the other day in the hallway. I said, Cam, how do you pronounce your last name? He told me it's Pelesi, despite the fact that John Bowker butchered his name over and over and over again. Okay, good. It good is, that you asked him. It is Cam, I've always said Pelesi. So. Pa- Cam Pelesi. And then Cam said, Paul, you're the only one who gets it right. I think okay. he was being very nice to me because yeah. I know a lot of people get it right. So... Uh, uh, I'm not even going to blame John. Some maybe phonetic spelling. Someone's got to figure out the game notes are out now. That should be there. Okay, Cam to me strikes me as a guy who's going to get some minutes off the bench. But way, really, before you go any further, I know John will be listening to this. I know. So he should be good. He should be good. Okay. We know. Yeah. From, yeah. I think Cam's going to get some minutes off the bench, right? For sure. For um, sure. He'll but be I, in the rotation. He'll be in the rotation. So he feels like maybe a second guard off the bench. Okay. Um, in the history of Valpo recently in the Matt Lottick era, second guards off the bench. I'm going to throw some numbers at you. Okay. Uh, in, in Matt's first year as head coach, the 16-17 year, Lexus Williams averaged 5.2 points per game. Okay. The following season, Micah Bradford averaged 5.1 points per game. In the 19-20 season, Aaron Gordon, 5.2 points per game. And then in the 2021 season, Zion Morgan, 5.1 points per game. Okay. So I'm going to say Cam Pelesse over under... 5.2 points per game. Okay. Uh, I'll go over uh, because he'll, when he's on the court, that's what he's going to be asked to do is score, uh, which he can do. He's a scorer. He's a shooter. He knows how to score in the lane. Um, I think he'll get 15 to 18 minutes a game. Uh, and, again, there's always the chance for injuries would open up more minutes for him. Um I think he'll get enough minutes, and his ability to score is the reason why he'll be playing. Uh, and as long as he's scoring, he's going to get more playing time. I, I like his chances. He's played well over the last month. Again, a lot of the things I'll comment on about how guys are doing is how they've done in practice. Uh, when they go five-on-five, five, certain drills they're doing. Uh, Cam has proven himself over the last month um, in scrimmages, in five-on-five five works. Uh, that he can play, and uh, you know, a lot of times when a guy red shirts as a freshman, you wonder well, when they when they become a real freshman out on the court, how much time will they play? He will get enough playing time where I think he'll get over five point two points a game. All right, so you go over on five point two points per game. That's good. I I thought this was a good number. There's other guys, other other second guards off the bench uh, who have gone anywhere from you know 
four and a half points to seven and a half points mm-hmm. per game over time. I thought 5.2 was going to be a good, good number. number here. Uh, he went number. four for four in the exhibition. He had some really nice shots, looked good while doing it. Okay, the second one here, Preston Reedinger. Okay. Uh, it's going to be one of the more lengthy expositions that I'm going to have here because I just like to delve back into history. Preston did something last year, albeit in a very limited sample size to a degree. He did play 380 minutes last season. Okay. He did something that it does not happen often. In the last 20 years, Todd, I'm going to give you the list of people who have finished the season with more steals than turnovers. Uh, John Kaiser, his senior year, had 37 steals to 35 turnovers. Javon Freeman Liberty, kind of the benchmark, had 60 steals to 53 turnovers his sophomore year at Valpo. Uh, excuse me, his freshman year at Valpo. Uh, very crazy stat. In back-to-back seasons, Tavon Walker had an equal amount of steals and turnovers. His senior year, wow. he had 48 steals, 48 turnovers. His junior year, he had 41 steals, 41 turnovers, and 40 assists. Max Joseph had 48 steals and 47 turnovers. John Kaiser, his sophomore year, had 12 steals and 12 turnovers. Uh, Alexis Williams was very close, 46-44. Your guy, Jake Diebler, back-to-back seasons, 40 steals and 29 turnovers. His senior year, 41 and 34. No surprise. I would have said he would would be a guy who definitely would. I I happened to talk to Jake yesterday. So good, yeah, great to throw him out there. Howard Little had 41 steals and 32 turnovers his senior year. Seth Colclazier, his senior year, had 24 steals, 21 turnovers. Uh... Maybe the best um, percentage or breakdown, Stalin Ortiz, his junior yeah. year, had 57 steals and 40 turnovers. That wow. was my senior year of college. Yeah. Mike Nelke had 32 steals, 32 turnovers. Hello to Steve Rhodes, who I know is listening. Here's your first Mike, first and only Mike Nelke <laughs> reference of the podcast. And then Stalin's senior year had 56 steals and 56 turnovers. That's a lot wow. of numbers to throw at you. Wow. Preston, last year, he played 380 minutes, so, so enough to sure. showcase what's going on. Maybe not enough for a solid sample size, but he had 14 steals and eight turnovers. Yeah. So that, I mean, comes out to like a 1.75 assist to, or steal to turnover ratio. That's not sustainable, yeah. but I'm going to set the over-under at a 1.2 steal to turnover wow. ratio. Uh, it's funny you bring this up. People have, when it comes up, people have asked me, like, like who does Preston play like? Who does he remind you of? And I immediately say Jake Diebler. Uh, because they always made the right decision with the ball, and they always played so hard defensively. They came up with some loose, came up with loose balls. Um, high motor guy. I mean, really a lot of similarities between those two and the way they play. Get the most out of their ability. Uh, Jake didn't have many Division One offers at all. Uh, similar to Preston, uh, and then earned playing time by just playing harder than everybody else out on the court. Uh, Preston's not a hundred percent. You'll see he's going to wear like a kind of a, a shoulder sh- wrap underneath uh, his uniform. Um, I mean, that's an, it's an amazing stat. Uh, I'll say barely over. I mean, that's 1.2 to 1 steals to turnovers. He just won't turn it over very much at all because he does the right things with the ball. He played 21 minutes in the exhibition game, had no turnovers, by the way. Um, I think both numbers will be fairly low. Uh, and we'll 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 say over on it, but it's going to be real close. Again, he av- he had eight turnovers in 380 minutes. That's, That's one every 47 minutes of court That's time. Crazy! That's a crazy crazy stat. Eight turnovers for a guy who has nice hands on the ball as much as he did. 
uh, in 380 minutes. We'll get to this a little bit later on, but he also had 32 assists, right? So he had a 4-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio. Unheard of. All right, uh, number three on the roster, Connor Barrett. Um, a guy who came in as a freshman, knocked down 31 three-pointers, uh, really looked like he had a role on the team in that in that spot of just right. being a shooter. Last year, a lot of ups and downs uh, on the court, off the court. When he was on the court, he was not a very good three-point shooter, lost his confidence, shot 23%, made only seven three-pointers last year. I'm going to split the difference at 19.5 three-point field goals this year. Yeah. Because we know if he plays, he'll shoot. And if he's on the court, he'll shoot. I guess the question now as you get into his junior year and you start to look at maybe pieces around him that might steal playing time away, is Connor a guy that's going to get enough court time to hit 19.5 three-pointers? Is he going to be a guy they're going to call on in a spot, hey, we're down six with 40 seconds left, we need a shooter out there, can he be the guy that you call on? I think it's a very fair number. Uh, Connor's a big mystery. Number one, really didn't play last year. Uh, number two, he really hasn't practiced much at all, uh, and it's been a various, it's been different, various different injuries uh, thus far for him. Um, unfortunately, I, I, there's a pretty good chance he's not getting enough playing time to make 23 pointers. So I'm just going to say under because I right now uh, can't trust that he'll be out on the court enough, mainly because he just can't stay healthy. Yeah, so I, I'm going to go under. Yeah, I would. As look, much as I would love to see him out on the court because he can spread the court and he can make shots, he can do all those things he did freshman year, and that's one reason why he came back was to do that. Uh, but right now, he hasn't got on the court to practice. Yeah, if he's out there, he'll easily clear twenty. If he's not out there, yeah, he, he might not hit ten. You know. Um, all right, Darius. Sure. Uh, how do you pronounce Darius's last name? How do you pronounce it? Diavero. Diavero. Okay, I, I I think I always put an extra syllable in there. I know I get it wrong. Uh, Scott Drew used to drill it into my head that in order to be successful, you need twice as many assists to turnovers, right? right? Um, he had 50 assists last year. As a point guard. As a point guard. Darius had 50 assists last year. He was tied for the team lead with Kevion Taylor, right. which is kind of absurd to me that 50 assists was the team lead. It's that, not that, a lot. That was an issue yeah. last year. Uh, Consistency had, at the point guard spot. Now, he did just have 24 turnovers. Right. He you know, handled the ball a lot. Uh, it wasn't the 4-to-1 ratio that Preston had, but... You know, and, and, and we kind of did this a little bit last year with him. I'm going to do it again. He's got more experience. Can he have a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio? It's such a big number. Uh, it's very rare it happens uh, on the collegiate level. Um, and Darius is another player. How much playing time is he going to get? The more playing time you get, the more comfortable you out, are out on the court. Um, and right now, we'll just say it, the, the number one point guard this team right now is Nick Edwards. He's going to get the majority of minutes. Uh, you've got Preston Reedinger there, who played ahead of Darius by the end of last year. Preston's going to play some minutes at point. He'll probably play some minutes with Nick. Uh, I think what will hurt Darius is consistency. Will he be out on the court consistently to feel comfortable? And when you're you're only getting spot minutes, sometimes you're only getting minutes late in the game, uh, it's hard to do. So I'm going to go under, and nothing against Darius, who had better than assisted better than a two-to-one assist turnover ratio last year i'm going to go under with this one all right uh let's we'll segue right into nick edwards and i'm going to shift i've never done this particular number this kind of stat before in this um we talk about assists a lot from the point guard um i 
Nick Edwards, when he was at Glenville State, before he got hurt, was leading the nation with 7.25 assists per game right. at Glenville State. Huge number. Big, big number. Um, then he got hurt. Then he came to Valpo. And from all accounts, he was a star during the summer. They loved him. Loved him. Then he got hurt. And he didn't practice a lot. I don't care about assists per game. That's not what I'm looking at here. I want to look at overall assists. If Nick Edwards were to average 5.45 assists per game, he would fin and played every game. He would finish the year with 174.5 assists. Wow, that is a humongous number. So where would that rank in Valpo history? That'd be right around that, the top. That would be up there. Yeah. But this is a guy who knows how to facilitate, knows how to pass, yeah. and doesn't really seem to be the kind of guy that needs to shoot, needs to score. He he's told me he just wants to facilitate and get guys involved. That's his game. If he's healthy for the entire year. It feels like this is a number that he could flirt with. It's probably pretty high. It might be high by like 25 assists, but I'm going to set 174.5 as the over-under. Okay, I'm going to tell you this. If he ends up with 175 assists, it'll be the third most assists in Valpo history in okay. one season. Probably okay. didn't do enough research on so, this one to set the number that high. So uh, Bryce Drew, who of course is Valpo's all-time leading assist man by a mile, Never had 175 assists okay. in a season. All right. His All high right. was 164. That's okay, though, <laughs> because it, it's possible. But Bryce uh, also shot a lot. He did. So. He did. Um, but uh, only John McElvain in 1983 with 197 assists, and Ali Berdiel in 2004 with 185 assists had over 175 assists in a season. So we're going to go under, because uh, Nick will score some, uh, and he'll have a huge assist number. I think it'll be over 150. Okay. Uh, and again, now we've got to worry about him staying healthy, which, you know, he's, he, there's injury history there. Um, so, again, I'm going to go under on this one. Three straight unders for me, Paul. I know. He is a record, by the way. Okay. That's never happened before. No, it, it has not. It has not. It's probably me setting these lines no, at 145 no, in the morning is when I put this together. I think 175 is definitely attainable, and it has happened. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the odds. And I'm going to say under. Okay. All right. Well, again, I got to that number not by looking at where it would rank in Valpo's time. But, again, guy averaged 7.25 yeah. assists. Hey, it's very possible. And, and now he's got a lot of guys around him who will score. That was my point. That was going to yeah. be my point is he's probably he got gets it. better players around him. This is the one we're really going to track throughout the course of the year. Very good. Okay. Uh, number 11 on the roster, Emil Frazevillian. Okay. Uh, what a guy. Uh what a guy. That's great. Been here for... The ultimate Valpo guy. Every year or so, we get a new guy. Who's, this guy really loves Valpo. Yeah. He, he, is, he is. If, if, if there's Auntie Nicola 20 years later, it's Emil, right? Yes, Just yes. a guy that probably is never going to stand out and be the star, but everybody kind of loves. He's around campus. He's got a great mustache. Everybody loves Emil, right? And also an amazing story about all the trials, tribulations he went through health-wise last year. He's back. He started the exhibition game against Cedarville. Yeah. Um, reports seem to be that he's ready to take a step forward. Okay. His career high is five points, and it was against a non-Division one opponent, okay. Trinity okay. Christian. Well. He scored 16 points in 16 games as a freshman. You don't have to be a math major to know that's one point per game, and he scored just four points last year. Barely played. Barely played. He's barely played the last couple of years. So the idea, the question is, is I mean, there's going to be a couple different guys that are going to play the five. 
who's going to emerge from that? I'm not looking for that answer today. But do you see a scenario over under a single game high this year against a Division One opponent of eight and a half points for a meal? Okay, I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under with that again. Uh, I just don't think against Division One teams he's going to get enough minutes. Uh, you've got three bigs who are going to rotate, and I think Ben Cricky's going to play some minutes at the five as well. Um, I think Emil is not ju- is number one. He's not really scoring for us to begin with. Okay, number two, I just don't think he's going to get enough minutes in any game against a D one team where he's going to be able to score nine points. I'm going to go under. Okay, I. Uh... I haven't been making many predi- picks yet. Okay. I I think I think Emil can make a, a little bit of a surge this year. Sure. I'm hoping I'm I, hoping that he has. I, a everybody's game. rooting for him, no yeah. doubt about it. I'm I'm hoping that Emil has a game where it just all clicks, right? Okay. And I don't know that it was going to happen night in and night out. It might not happen more than once or twice, but I hope that there's a game where it's just like early on, he just uh, he just finds some quiet confidence and goes with it. Okay. All right, here's a guy, uh, Ibra Bayou. Don't okay. know much about him other okay. than the guy, everything I've heard from scouts, from people I've talked to, was that if the guy was healthy, he would have been not here. Um, guy's an athletic freak from what I understand. He he's, he's fantastic. He's also had a heart thing. He had some ankle things. He had double hernia surgery. He, he's been like, through the wars. <laughs> so, so, sounds like. I heard he's got double hernia surgery, and he's not going to miss much time. If I had double hernia surgery, I would just take the rest of the year off. Um, I talked to him this week, as a matter of fact. He said, hey, I'm feeling better. I want to play. I'm ready to go. Uh, He will not play in the first few games. We know that. Yeah. So, But but the word out of camp, uh, if if we call it camp or practice or whatever, is that at times he just makes absurdly brilliant athletic plays, and at other times he makes mistakes that – make an inexperienced college freshman look like a superstar, right? Like he's yeah. just making some mistakes. Here's the over-under on Ebra. I struggled a little bit on what I wanted to pick for him. Over-under, 16 and a half minutes played by Ebra in the first conference tournament game. Will he be a rotation wow. player in March when it matters the most? Oh, the will, first conference tournament game? The first oh, conference yeah, okay. tournament Good. game. Wow. Will he have... Interesting. So we're we're in a one-game thing with Ibra. We That's did it. We did this with game. Kobe last yeah. year. We did this with Kobe last yeah. year. Love it. Is Ibra going to be ready in late in the year when it matters most to make a significant contribution to this team? Yeah, I think for sure that's over. That's that's one that I have no doubt in my mind it's over. I, I think uh, he'll be one of the top, by the end of the year, he'll be one of the top four or five players on the team. Uh, he may be one of the top four or five players on the team in December. Uh, he's been that good. Uh, you're right. He is, from an athletic standpoint, an ability to make plays standpoint and defensive standpoint, all those things, he's a high major type player. Um, and it's hard to get those high majors here unless they transfer. So to get one in as a freshman, uh, he's going to have a big impact for this team. I love his upside. We're through seven players. You pick three overs and four unders. Okay. So I feel like uh, okay, we're, okay. We're, we're feeling good here. Uh, here's an interesting one. Uh Hey, guess what? Wisconsin or Valpo added another six foot eight white guy from Wisconsin. Yeah, great. Um, Jacob Agnostovic came in a couple years ago, averaged 13 minutes off the bench. Okay. He scored 6.3 points per game. Now, this was in large part because he shot 51% from the three point line. Uh, Maximus Nelson is here now. He's okay. a freshman. He'll play maybe a similar role as Agnostovic did a couple years ago, yeah. where he'll spell uh, Cricky at the four. 
And if Cricky slides over to the five, can they play together? I'm sure. not sure. I haven't seen yeah. enough of their practices. Um, I don't know that Nelson, he certainly doesn't come in with the same pedigree of Ignacevic of all the gaudy numbers that, that Jacob had. And I don't know that Maximus is going to hit 51% of his three-point shots. But the word on the street is that he's a really good shooter. Yes. Um, so in interest of just kind of comparing him directly to Ognosovic, we're going to set it at 6.3 points okay. per game at the over-under. It's a, a fair number. Uh, he's very capable. He's going to have some big games. Now, if you had said uh, over-under 8.5 in one game for uh, Maximus, I'd say definitely over. He's going to have a game where he's going to hit three threes, I think. Similar to Jacob. Uh, the difference here, I'll give you the difference here. Uh, that was that team two years ago, pure talent wise in the bigs, was not very good. Um, this year's team, you've got Ben Cricky playing the four most of the minutes, and that's Maximus's backup spot. And I think we saw in the exhibition game that Ben's going to be on the court a lot. Yeah, he'll play some minutes at the five. Uh, but there'll be times where he'll, he'll play some minutes at the five and Eber might be playing the four. Um, Max is going to be a really good college player. The question is, will he get enough minutes this year to average 6.3 points a game? I'm going to say not quite. Uh, I think he'll play maybe 10 to 12 minutes a game, mostly spelling Cricky at the four. Uh, and thus, uh, I'll say under 6.3 points a game. But I think he'll be... He'll have a successful freshman year. He'll contribute. Maybe he'll average about five points a game. Uh, and then we'll be, I think, ready to take another step forward next year to play big minutes. Should be noted that Agnostic averaged that in a shortened season because of COVID. And so a lot of times when you shorten a year, the stats don't always play out the way they would over the course of an entire season. Okay, speaking of points per game, um, this is one that I know that I set it too high. I guarantee okay. you're going to take the under. So okay. this isn't so much of a you question of... lower it a little bit here. No, no. Uh, this, haven't, we haven't mentioned it yet. No, no, so no, no. Here's no. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to put this number out there for a particular reason, okay. and then I'm going to ask you to set it where okay. you would go here. Okay. Uh, this is Quentin Green. Okay. This is the transfer from Cedarville, played against his former team the other day. A guy came in, uh, exhibition game against Valpo several years ago at 23 points. He's been a high-volume scorer, but he was on a team last year with another really high-volume scorer. Uh, Quinton averaged 12.7 points per game at Cedarville last season. So a very similar number to what Kevion Taylor came in and averaged at Valpo last yeah. year. He averaged 12.8 with Cricky and King leading the way in scoring. Right. Those two are going to lead the way again. My guess is that Quinton is going to be the number three scorer on this team. Behind those two guys, okay. the number three score on Valpo's team last year was 12.8. Quinton averaged 12.7 at Cedarville. He's going to be playing tougher competition. I'm setting the over-under at 12.8 points per game for Quinton. Okay. I know it's an under. Okay. How you're much encouraging of, everybody to take the under. But I, no, I, I'm, I, I'm not setting this number in stone. I'm saying that that's the number that, I, that I'm, I'm floating out there. What number would it need to be for you to start kind of hesitating about over-under? Where would, would you go? I would say probably for Quinton, 9.6 okay. would be the number that I would probably set. Um, there have been years think, where the third leading scorer has been on, yeah, just on to shade under and 10. And I don't know if he's going to be the third leading scorer. Um, Nick Edwards might end up being the third leading scorer. Um, Ebert could end up being the third leading scorer for this team. Uh, it'll be interesting. Preston might end up, I'm not kidding, he's going to score. He's. I know he didn't make any shots in the um, the exhibition game. Uh, he also was ill the week before the game, didn't practice much. 
Most kids would not even have played in the exhibition game. So I think Preston's a, a guy who's going to score a lot more than you would expect. Uh, and, of course, Ben Cricky's probably going to – it would not surprise me. We're going to get to Ben next. Uh, if he averages 20 points a game this year, that would not surprise me at all. Um, so I'm going to go somewhere around 9.6 for Quinn. Okay, and that, that's that was kind of the secondary number that I thought – uh, it should be noted that Kevion Taylor averaged 12.8 points per game last year. The season before at Winona State, he averaged 20 and a half, right? right? So okay, the go. idea that Quentin Green is going to come in here and put up the same numbers at a higher level of competition, and I think Quentin and Kevion will probably be unfairly compared to each other. They're different players, obviously. Right. Um, but there we go. So, okay, 9.6 is a good number for Quentin Green. Is he going to average double figures? Is he not going to average double figures? I think that'll be something interesting so is, to monitor. So the actual question is 12 point. Well, no, now we'll set it at 9.6. Oh, we are setting it at 9.6. Yeah, let's set it at 9.6. Well, now you make it very difficult. I, I know. <laughs> All right, I'll go over then. Okay. I mean, if, if I mean, you know, I'm going with the value here. If the original number was going to be 12 point something and you're giving me 9.6, I got to go over. I had a, a notate here that basically said, this, I'm sure it's an under. The question then is, uh, can he be the third sco- leading scorer on the team? Um, so 9.6 is the Maybe the over-under should have been 3.5 of what rank of scorer Quentin would be on the team. That's, that's, that would have been fine, too. Okay. But we, we're going with 9.6. So yes. I'm going over. All right. Okay. Ben Cricky. Okay. Sometimes these are too Sometimes, you know, it's like you look at the star on the team. You think, okay, it's just... We should be put setting points per game, but I don't want to do that. I wanted okay. to give a little bit more fun here. Um, Cricky has 26 three-pointers in his college career, okay. and it hasn't gone well. 14 as a freshman, turned into eight as a sophomore, cut in half to four last year. Right. He was abysmal from the three-point line, four of yeah. 27, yeah. I think. He's been working on it all year, yes. all summer, working on the three-point shot, and the breakout party came against Cedarville. First possession of the of the year, he knocks down a three-pointer. Right. He knocked down another one very quickly thereafter. I know you had, weren't there. You didn't see the game. He looked so good. He looked confident in the way that he was squaring up. This obviously begs the question, can he roll all three years' worth of work into one, and the over-under is 26.5 three-pointers this wow. year from Ben Cricky. Wow. That would be 0.8 a game. Well, that's a big number. And I asked Whew. Coach Hall, uh, asked Rob yesterday, and I asked Cricky, yeah. and they both gave me their answer. Oh, you're not telling us what their answer was. Well, of course they said yeah. over. Uh, I mean, they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I'm going to go over too. Uh, and it seems like a crazy number because he only made four last year. Uh, but having watched him in practice, he's knocking down just about everything. It did not surprise me that he made three threes in the exhibition game. Uh, did not surprise me he scored 25 points against Cedarville. Um Bob is going to lean on him a lot, uh, and right now, he's pretty much unstoppable on the offensive end. Um, he's going to get a lot of shots um, because he's so good going to the basket. Teams are going to be slow to close out on him. He's going to get a lot of looks, and he feels confident taking it. Won a game, basically. Um, sure, I'll go over. Okay, there we go. There we go. I like that one. We're back on the overtrain. We are back on the overtrain. Let's uh, let's let's. Pump the brakes on that because I've got a big one for you here. Okay. Uh, I just love this kid. Joe Hedstrom okay. was one of the one of the nicest guys. I, I thought about setting an over-under of how many fishing Instagram pictures he was going to post this okay. year because that's what he does. Um, here's Joe Hedstrom. In 15 games over two seasons at Wisconsin, he made just two field goals. Okay. He never played. 
He never played. And when he got in mop the game, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when and, and when they were mop up minutes, they were probably like, hey, hold the ball, don't do anything. He never played. In 14 games last season, he had 12 field goals. Given his height, when he's in the game, and I don't care if they're playing a D1, D2, D3, middle school, whatever, he's always going to be one of the taller players on the court. The tallest. The tallest. Yes. So you just get the ball to him and let him turn and lay the ball in. Yeah. He should. it's not that easy. I know it's not that easy. <laughs> he should be able to get the ball inside and have an opportunity to score. The question is, with Joe Hedstrom, is can he score at least one field goal per game for the entire season over under on the season 32 and a half made field goals. Okay. That so would be one that would be just I mean they're they're they 32 games sure. is what you're going to play if you it's lose in the number. first round. It's a really good number. Joe's issue is can he stay on the court? Uh number one it seems like he gets tired easily so you'll see him in for just 2 minute spurts at a time. But he's talented enough offensively to score. Um and then will he, will he miss games because of injury? Will he, he's got knees that bother him. Uh, he gets tired. There's a lot going on with Joe. Um, 32 and a half field goals a game through, for the season? For the entire season. Yeah. Now, if, you had said, if you had said one field goal a game on average, I probably would say over. But 32 field goals because there's going to be times where he will not play. Yeah. Um, whether a coach's decision or... Uh, health, because of yeah. health, yeah. And I know Matt Laddick feels like, but Joe can really help us this year. He said it to me numerous times. We can get more out of Joe than what we got last year, and it's still possible. And boy, I would love to. I'd love to be wrong on this, but I'm going to say under. Yeah, I, I, I. This was every, every time I sit down to do this. There's generally one or two that jump off the page right away. That like, okay. I when I, I I don't I don't put these numbers down in numeric order. Uh, Cricky's three-point shooting was the first one I did, and then Hedstrom right after that was the first two numbers I came up with. And I okay. thought, you know what? Now we're rolling. We're good. Okay, okay Jerome Palm, okay. Uh, the guy that, that played the most minutes at the five against Cedarville didn't start. Here's a guy that I think they would probably really love to take that spot eventually and be the starting five. Yeah. I think they really like him. Um, ben Cricky last year led the team with 40 offensive rebounds. Kithier okay. had 39. The year before... In uh, limited games because of COVID, Cricky led the team with 39 offensive rebounds. Donovan Clay had 35. I want to give you a comparison. Granted, they played a bunch more games because they made the deep run to the NIT yeah. championship. In the 15-16 year, Vashiel led the team with 99 offensive rebounds, right. and Alec Peters had 93 offensive rebounds. Jabril was third on that team with 41. Okay. We don't know how many minutes Jerome Palm is going to get. Played 18 against Cedarville. It feels like he probably will be like a 15 to 20, if not higher, guy if he as he goes. I would say 20 minutes a game is a good number for Jerome Paul. Okay, so yeah. he had four offensive rebounds against Cedarville. Yeah, he cl- he'll clean up the misses of others, and he hasn't been playing basketball for that long. He's he started in 2015. He's gonna miss stuff at the rim just because of relative inexperience. So he'll clean up his own misses. Okay, over under 40 and a half offensive rebounds for good the number. season. Good now. I'm going over for sure. Uh, high motor guy. Uh, that will be one of his strength, hitting the offensive glass. Uh, he's quick off his feet. Uh, he's got the reach and the size. That's going to be one thing you're going to be asking Jerome Palm to do on the offensive end is clean up offensive rebounds, tip up, tip backs, uh, 
keep balls alive. Uh, and that's really his game. I'm definitely going over 40.5 on that. No hesitation on that one. Yeah, good, good. It, 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 uh, 58 and a half, would that be? Uh... Well, then I would go under. Okay. You know okay. I mean, throwing out 18 more. <laughs> I mean, these uh, numbers are good. No, no, I, I appreciate it one way. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Uh, final guy. Final guy, Kobe King. Okay. If you haven't yet, go to thevictorybell.com and check out. I did a, uh, a deep dive on his, uh, his EP rap album, Look Out Below, just was released uh, earlier in, in early October. I had a long talk with Kobe yesterday. Uh, one of the, the deepest conversations I've had with him. He's a very quiet guy um, and a guy that doesn't really, uh, you know, he, he, again, he, he, once you get to know him a little bit, he projects a little bit more confidence, but he's sure. just a quiet, quiet guy. I had a great time talking to him. Um, I think one of the things where confidence comes in on a basketball court a lot is at the free throw line. Okay. This is good. At I some, like where this is going. At some point, Todd, stats don't lie anymore. Right. Given a large enough sample size, stats don't lie. In his last three seasons of basketball, King has shot 65.5%, 67.3%, and 67.4% from the free throw line. Let me give you this number. He had 87 attempts in his three years at Wisconsin. He shot 67.8%. He had 86 attempts at Valpo last year. He shot 67.4%. Good homework, Paul. Against Cedarville, he got to the line seven times. He shot 85%. He made six of seven. And Valpo needed every single one of those free throws. And, Todd, I think you know this. They're going to need a lot of Kobe King at the free throw line. He's going to get to the line a ton this year. Can he become a 70% free throw shooter? Over, under, 70%. Can a leopard change his spots? Wow. This is the poker player in me saying, you know, right, the numbers don't lie. Um, Huh. I was all set to say over. I thought you were going to say sixty-eight percent. I was all set to say over. No, no, we're taking it. We're taking 70. a big. We're taking it. The, um, the rust is you know, off the interesting, his game. The interesting thing with Kobe is, at times, you'll watch and he looks great at the free throw line, but once he misses one, it's like, oh no, he's going to go two for five this game. You know what I'm saying? We yeah, saw this yeah. last year. Uh, he'd make a couple. Sometimes he'd make six in a row in a game, and not he'd not even come close to the the rim. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna go against what I should, and I'm gonna say over seventy percent for Kobe. It's a bi- it's a really yeah. big jump up to go from <laughs> great number to, to go from sixty seven, his entire career, right? Like sure. I mean, he's he's been consistent. Sure. It's it, actually, I would say, I'm gonna look back at this this and go, this was really stupid of me for saying over seventy because I know the numbers and the numbers don't lie. Yeah. So. Uh, Again, he's he's going to be a high-volume free-throw shooter because he's going to get fouled late in the game. He's going to be the guy that they're, you know, uh, maybe not going to put the ball in his hand when they need to ice the game, but he's going to have the ball in the hand when they need to win the game. Right. And, uh, and so he'll get fouled there. Okay, those are the players. Those are the numbers for the players. Now we got the, some quick hitters here. Um, God, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I can't believe I'm going to set this line at this this mark when we look at wins. I'm going to go higher than the line I set last year, despite the fact that they really only yeah. have two returning players. Right. Uh, I looked at the schedule, and I can talk myself into 17 wins pretty confidently. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to set it at 17 and a half. I think there's an opportunity in the non-conference to 
to really rack up a lot of wins, to be honest with you. I mean, there's there's games that are going to be toss-ups, uh, going to be tough to win at Toledo, but then you have a bunch of winnable games, those um, uh, early season games at home, like Western Michigan, Incarnate Wood. Um, you got Trinity at home, Elon at home, Stonehill at home. Those honestly should be wins. And and then you've got to find some wins. All you play at Chicago State. Um, you've got that game at Samford. Uh, the games in Savannah. Uh, James Madison is a team that has not been very good over like good in football. And then yeah, not yeah, that very good in football. Not that good in basketball. Uh, and then I think you're going to win most of your home conference games. And there's some teams in the league that are huge question marks. I mean, a lot of these teams. Outside of, like, Drake in Southern Illinois, most of the teams lost a ton of players. Um, so you're going to have a lot of games that are toss-ups. Uh, I really like this team. I think Ben Cricky's going to make a run for player of the year in this league. Um, I'm going to go over 17. But, again, I, there's never been a year I've said under in the total wins. So. You, you never have. You and never not, have. And I'm so. not going to. So. Yeah, I, I to me, I, I could talk myself into 17 pretty easily. And I could... Uh, but talking myself into 18 was really hard. And the conference tournament counts, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. And the NCAA tournament will count, too. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Todd. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Valley finish. Um, they're picked to finish ninth out of 12. Uh, Blasphemy. <laughs> I don't think either one of us think they're going to finish ninth. I had them at eighth in my poll. I think you might have had them slightly higher. Uh, I think I had them eighth, actually. Okay. Too. All right, over under six and a half. Do they finish higher? Do they finish in the top six or sure. do they finish in the bottom six? Sure, top six. Top six, that's it. <laughs> top six. Just win. Just win, just baby. Win. Just, just got to keep winning. It's not that hard. Play a game, you win the game. Play the next game, you win the game. Top six, easily. You just keep winning. That's how I approach my uh, World Series of Poker. I just wanted yeah. to get through just, each day. Yes, just keep it. getting through each that's day. That's the way to do it, Paul. There you go. Uh, all right, uh, we do this every year. This is the same number every year. Uh, longest conference win streak, or, or conference win streak, oh, will they win more than two and a half games in a row? So they've got to win three in a row, yes. I've, I found one stretch where I think they will, and it's the only stretch where I think they will. Okay, that you, 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 uh, where they play Belmont at home, at Evansville, UIC at home, at Illinois State, somewhere in that Yes, range. I have at Evansville, home against UIC, at Illinois yeah. State. I know, and I, that's, it's tough because those are two road games. I think pretty good chance you'll, you'll beat Belmont at home. So then it would only have to be at Evansville, which, again, Belpo said, now starting to have some success at Evansville, UIC at home. Yeah, you, you should. The, the hardest game, actually, may be the fourth game in there, which is at Illinois State. I think you're going to beat Belmont at home. I think All you're right. going to win most of your home games in, in league play. I, I, I hate to say the league is down, but at least a little bit. Um, well, we'll see. Um, but I think the overall depth of the league over the last couple of years has been very good, and I think there's going to be some teams that are going to be still feeling themselves out into January. All right. Uh, on the same, same thing, conference losing streak. Over under two and a half games. Well, I found a stretch too where I think they lose three in a row. Yeah, oh, you do think they'll lose three in a row? Uh, well, where it's a stronger than average possibility to lose three in a row at Missouri State, home against Drake at Indiana State. I'm high on Indiana State. Yeah, I like them. I actually like Indiana State a little bit too. And I think Drake, those guys, be the last home quote unquote home region contest for a couple yeah, of these guys. That would be the stretch. That would definitely be the stretch. Um, but, again, I picked Valpo top six. How could they think they're going to lose three straight conference games? 
They had, no, they will not. <laughs> there was a stretch early in the in the conference last year where they lost four in a row, and then I think the back half of the two wins, two losses, two wins, two losses, and uh, at no point did Valpo win or lose three in a row, really from the middle of January on. I think. Okay. All right. So. Uh, this one feels pretty easy, but it's got to be asked. Valpo players on first or second team, all league, one and a half. No, that's not easy. You're saying one and a half yeah. over is the number. Yeah. First or second team? First or second team. Basically asking, do Cricky and King mm. both make first or second team all conference? Mm. All right. I'm going to go no on okay. that one. I'm going to go no on that one, okay? I think Ben's just going to dominate so much. I, I, boy, I hope Kobe is a first or second team. Obviously, Valpo finishes in the top six. But, again, you've got 12 conference teams. Yeah. Um, it's going to be harder to get two guys on an all. Yeah. You've got teams like Drake and Southern Illinois that pretty good chance they're going to have at least two. Uh, it's going to be hard after that to get two players on the first or second team. Now, remember, the Valley does release first, second, and third team. Right. I thought it was a layup to say over if it's right. uh, if it's that. Um all right, Valpo players on the all-newcomer team set oh, at 0. 0.5. Wow. Last year, we set this at 1.5 because they brought in all these Big Ten transfers, sure, so we sure, just assumed sure. they were all going to be there. Um, set at 0. 0.5, so I guess the question would be, is, is Ebra a guy who... Ebra or Quentin Nick, or Nick. Nick. Yeah, Quentin. Yeah. Sure, we'll go with over. Okay. Final, I, I will say a lot of the teams are bringing in a lot of players and some high-major transfers and... Uh, some highly ranked freshmen. There's a lot of quality players, but uh, it's probably 50-50, so we'll go with yes. You know on the 50-50s, we all go with yes. Yeah, of course, of course. Okay. Um, God, this one. This is the final one. This is maybe the tie. This is the 20th one that we have on here. I don't have a tiebreaker. Normally, it's which walk-on's going to score more points. Probably going to be Luke yeah. Morrill just because he's been around for a long time. Uh, normally, we do attendance. Lord knows what that's going to be. We set it at 28.50 last year. It was okay. like 1,800. Um, we tried the beer snake thing last year. They don't actually do that. Um, you know, so, uh, I, I was looking for a fun one. Okay. I know that you're supposed to be, um, uh, what's the word? Objective. Impartial. When, impartial when you're doing the broadcasts. Okay. I also know that if you cut open your veins, brown and gold would seep out. You're a Valpo guy through and through. So I'm going to set this number at three and a half. I think it could either be zero or 15. I'm going to set it at three and a half. Okay. How many times does Todd Ikow exclaim, the dunking Dutchman, when Jerome Palmer Iber Bayou dunks in a game this year? Oh, okay. Well, I have control over this. I know. <laughs> I don't think you do, though. I've broadcasted with you long enough to know yeah. that when you get excited, you really don't have control. You yeah. Things come out, and, yeah. and, and so I don't, I don't know that you so have I'm control. I'm going to have to be the one to keep score on this one. <laughs> Well, now you've got me fired up to say it, so I, I've got to say over. Yeah, I thought that was yeah, a good great. one. That's great. I thought that All was right, a good one. Over. All right, good. It's good to know I, that I will keep track. <laughs> Look, and, I, and folks, Paul's got me all excited to say it now. So I will say this: I, I would, for those who are who will be on the, uh, the Valpo fans message board voting on their over unders, go ahead and take over on that one. <laughs> I mean, if you don't, it's on you. You've got inside information. The dunking Dutchman. I thought it was... Uh, there, there's two of them. They're both going to dunk yeah, the ball. but you can't call them both dunking Dutchmen. I mean, so, they're both from the Netherlands, right? I know, but you can't You can't have the same basic 
nickname for the same for two different guys on the same team it doesn't work that way yeah so yeah. we're gonna have to decide yeah um, this is tough this is maybe the most important one of the whole the whole podcast yeah I all think. right well, i'll work it out okay we've got <laughs> you know we've got uh at least eber's not back for the next couple of weeks so jerome may steal that nickname <laughs> All right, Todd, thank you very much. Uh, give us a, bit, a brief preview on football this weekend. Where, where is the season right now? They uh, uh, Obviously a tough tough couple losses. Uh, They've lost so many one-possession uh, games. but uh, And they've won one-possession games, too, yes. in fairness. Yeah. Um, I have a really good feeling about Saturday against St. Thomas. I don't know why. Uh, but, you know, Valpo played with them last year, uh, lost by one score. Um I think the Valpo offense right now is rolling. Um, it's very difficult offense to stop. Uh, Lions, Will, Will, Lions, Fleming, Will Fleming, the offensive he's, coordinator, he's been, has been great. It's been phenomenal. And the line's getting better. Uh, and they've, they've got maybe the best running back in the league. And they've got a quarterback now, Mikey Apple, now that he's playing pretty much every snap, is really, really comfortable. Uh, he's got a wealth of receivers. Their offense is really tough to stop. And I just feel like... You know, they've missed so many tackles over the last three weeks that that's something that I don't believe uh, Landon Fox is just going to let that slide. And I really believe uh, they're going to come out and they're going to – it won't be a big upset at home, but, but I think they're going to win this game. They're going to hand St. Thomas their first defeat of the, uh, of the conference season. Uh, just that, that phone ringing right there was Brandon Vickery calling the office, and uh, I, I never – I never know what Brandon's giving me a call for. Maybe there's some Maybe breaking, some news, breaking here. news here. This yes. could be this could be huge. This could be huge. So uh, did you ask him if there was breaking news? Uh, I just said, give me a second. I'll call him right back. Okay. When when the, when the sports information office calls, yes. we answer. So uh, stay tuned to the Victory Bell. Make sure you get there. Subscribe. Uh, Five dollars a month, forty nine ninety nine for the whole year, and find out what Brandon Vickery has to say to me. Uh, you'll get that exclusive in your email inbox Great. if it's worth being exclusive all right great 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 weekend ahead for valpo athletics uh could have listen saturday playing against the first place team at home sunday championship soccer game monday season opener for basketball i mean that is a that is a whirlwind three days of valpo athletics there get the vocal cords ready todd we can't wait to hear you on the calls all year long uh espn plus espn3 wvr when it applies uh really looking forward to another fun year it's been a fun year so far thanks for joining the victory bell the podcast and uh stay tuned to the victorybell.com for plenty of great content coming up later on uh before the season starts we'll have a nice look at tavon walker and his journey back to valpo also a really interesting look at a couple of the women's basketball players uh, ava jada katie what they did over the summer with a former Valpo women's basketball player to kind of rediscover their love for the game after a couple trying seasons. So thevictorybell.com has got everything covered for you. Valparaiso, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs>